BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, do Americans need to stand up to the GOP? I guess the question answers itself. We've got a lot to cover today. Why is the Republican Party trying to kill grandma and grandpa? Let me start at the beginning here. I think that what we are looking at right now is a crisis like we haven't seen since 1930. And Herbert Hoover ignored the Great Depression. He kept saying throughout this, you know, the crash was in, in, the, in the fall and, and winter of 1929, and it, and it lasted through 1930 and 1931 and 1932, and all the way up until March of 1933 when Franklin Roosevelt took over. During that entire period of time, Herbert Hoover was saying, this is just a normal downturn, not to worry. We're going to turn the corner at any minute. In fact, turn the corner was one of his favorite phrases. Where have we heard that before? You know, then FDR came in and fixed things. And hopefully that's how it's going to play out this time with Biden. But the reality is that we're right now in a very similar situation to the United States during the Republican Great Depression of the 1930s. And yes, that's what they called it back in the 1930s, the Republican Great Depression. But these guys, no matter what, these Republicans consider it a bonus if they're kneecapping and in some cases killing working class and poor Americans. I mean, the COVID deaths and diagnoses are exploding across the country. At the same time that New Zealand, Australia, Taiwan, South Korea, other countries that took this seriously from the get-go, their life is literally back to normal. There's a piece in either the New York Times or the Washington Post last night by a reporter who lives in Nova Scotia about how she worked out at the gym today and her, and she's having lunch at the restaurant with her family and her kids are going to school and everything is good. Why? Because they took it seriously. They locked down initially, flushed out the virus, went to zero. There's not a single active case there. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Meanwhile, the House of Representatives back in May passed legislation that actually quickly, clearly addresses the COVID crisis. It provides for ongoing unemployment payments, $600 a week to to all unemployed Americans. It provides help to small businesses. It provides funding for hospitals and first responders, police, fire in the states, counties, and townships all across America. That legislation, the HEROES Act, was passed in May in the House of Representatives. And it's still sitting in the Senate, where Mitch McConnell refuses to even have a conversation about it. 
and the media seems unwilling to ask him about it. Senator Tina Brown yesterday tweeted out, Today the Senate was insane. It is so detached from reality. We voted on judges. McConnell got six more right-wing, unqualified right-wing judges on the bench. We voted on judges and nearly confirmed an appointee to the Fed who believes in the gold standard. Meanwhile, a pandemic is raging and we are doing nothing about it. The government's going to run out of money in about three weeks. We are doing nothing about that. One of our members apparently asked the Secretary of State of Georgia whether he could throw away actual legal votes. And we're doing nothing about that either. It has been 183 days since the House of Representatives passed the HEROES Act. It's been 47 days since the House passed. That was a $3 trillion bill. The Republicans said, that's too much money for average working people. So the House came back and said, well, how about $2 trillion? That was the second piece. That was passed 47 days ago. And 37 days from now, the day after Christmas, 12 million Americans are going to lose their unemployment benefits. This last week, 742,000 Americans filed brand new filings for unemployment. This is insane. I mean, it's just insane. How do we best stand up to the Republican Party? This is the Tom Hartman Program. off grandma and grandpa. I mean, you know, what's the possible upside to this? This just blows my mind. We had the guy who's the founder of The Writing, and that's spelled without the W. T-H-E-R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. The Writing. And it's a daily newsletter drops into your email box that summarizes the main headlines on all the major right-wing websites. So, you know, if you want to know what the right is thinking and what they're up to, it's a, it's a great little summary. And it's free. And this isn't a sales pitch for it. I have no relationship with them except that I find this a really useful resource. I mean, there's a couple of websites that I visit regularly, and there's a couple of newsletters that I pay a lot of attention to, and this is one of them. So let me just share with you very quickly, in the context of this question, why is it when we are just Months out from a vaccine, the CDC, number one, said, do not get together for Thanksgiving. They just officially said that. The Centers for Disease Control. Now, I don't know who's going to get fired by Trump over this, but hey, it's honest, good, wise advice. Our family, we're not going to get together for Thanksgiving. We are all going to be happy. Each one of us are going to make a Thanksgiving meal. There's a really cool thing in the Washington Post last night. We're not going to do this because of where our family is and just logistics and things. But for people who are a little closer, you've got grandpa and grandma over living in one place. And you've got, you know, cousin Ralph and his kids living in another place. And you're living over here or whatever. That everybody makes a couple of dishes for everybody else. So we would deliver pumpkin pies to all the members, to the, to the four households that, you know, are, are around us. You know, my daughter might deliver uh, stuffing to, you know, whatever, right? Just to quit. There's, but we're going to be doing it. We're all getting together uh, via Zoom. We'll all be at our own Thanksgiving dinner tables, and, and we'll all have our Zoom thing up, and we'll all be eating together and talking, and it'll be a Thanksgiving, you know, dinner together. But here's what is showing up on right-wing media. PJ Media, the headline, Resistance to Tyranny is Being Served for Thanksgiving. 
And the article, the lust for petty tyranny has turned into an orgiastic assault on family gatherings and Thanksgiving. They're really enjoying flexing their political muscles. And if this is the way it's going to be, even before not my president gets to the White House, we are in for some very dark times. The second one, this is from Rush Limbaugh's website. Dems assault Thanksgiving and Christmas is on deck. We know what's really going on. It's really going on, folks. It's an assault on all the traditions and institutions that define America. Trending politics. Kaylee suggests the Democratic Thanksgiving restrictions are un-American. The Western Journal. It's a war on Christmas as CNN refers to Rockefeller tree as holiday tree. Oh, my God. They're back to the war on Christmas. Town Hall. Why wouldn't they cheat? That's the headline. Why would they do this? Why would they do this? Why are they like so hell-bent on, yeah, let's just kill grandpa. Let's kill grandma. If these people actually believed in Scott Atlas's herd immunity theory, let's remind them that herd immunity is a phrase that was developed, that, that came out of the vaccine development in the 60s, in the, in the 50s and 60s. That the goal was to vaccinate enough people that the herd had immunity. There literally has never been a disease that we have gotten into check with herd immunity. We didn't do it with measles. We didn't do it with polio. We can't do it with flu. We can't, you know, we, we never succeeded in doing it with mumps. We couldn't do it with chickenpox or smallpox. We couldn't do it with, I mean, you know, the Black Plague. There literally has never been a disease where herd immunity saved us. It's a phrase that is exclusively used in science by vaccine manufacturers. And now we've got a vaccine. We've got three vaccines on the horizon. American vaccines, plus there's European vaccines, there's a Russian vaccine, there's a Chinese vaccine. Cuba has developed two vaccines that have been approved by the World Health Organization. The entire island of Cuba has only had 153 people die in the entire year. They've got this thing under control there. And we're just months away. So why are they pushing everybody to get together for Thanksgiving so that by Christmas time, Grandpa can be dead? What the hell is the upside of this? Why are they not shooting down these QAnon conspiracies that, well, if you get the vaccine, you know, uh, Bill Gates put little particles in there that are going to track you wherever you go and uh, probably listen to you and beam information up to Microsoft. I mean, it's just it's crazy stuff. And I'm not hearing Republicans say, you know, that's crazy stuff. Why? I get it they're afraid of Trump, and I get it that Trump thinks that that these crazies are his base, and to a large extent that's true. But are you really that enthusiastic to sell out our nation and kill more of our people? A quarter million already dead? Really? Listening to the Tom Hartman program. Dave in Las Vegas. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? We got to, like, the media, all of us got to get in these Republicans' face. I mean, cut to the chase. What if Trump actually can pull this off through the House, right? What kind of America would ensue? It would make the George Floyd protest look like a firecracker. The, it, come I on. Agree. It would steal the election in front of. We know we won the Piper Bowl by almost 6 million votes. We won the Electoral College. We got the blue wall back. Thank God for He's trying to turn America into Belarus, Dave. He's trying to turn um, America into Belarus. Uh, and then he'll blame uh, it on Lubyshenko us or whatever his name is. And he'll blame it on so, uh, us when he starts it.
Sorry, uh, yeah. language. Yeah, you can't use language like that, Dave. I'm sorry. Robin in Boulder, Colorado. Hey, Robin, what's up? Hi, Tom. I heard it. I'm, I'm kind of laughing, but hey, whatever. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I don't want to hear people talking about a peaceful transition. Stop asking questions. This is going to be a peaceful transition. We are already in the middle of the transition, and it is hostile, okay? Let's get that clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The White House does not want to cooperate. What's her name? Murphy uh, with the GSA. She's yeah. not cooperating. Yeah, She's Murphy. being hostile. And all of the COVID scientists and all the people on the task force were ordered. This hit the news this morning, too. NBC was reporting. They were ordered by the White House not to have any conversation with any person who might have any involvement with the Biden transition team. Yeah, it's already a hostile transition. Yes. So anyway, that's all I have to say today. Well, you said it very, very well. Thank you very much, Robin. Kathy in Marlboro, New Jersey. Hey, Kathy, what's up? You know, um, I, I'm a retired nurse of um, the state of New Jersey, um, 28, 29 years. What are we going to do with people who do not believe in vaccines and who are going to refuse the vaccine? How is that going to work out? Are we going to, you know, we can't put them out on an island. You know, we're going to be wearing these masks forever if those targeted people refuse or don't believe in vaccines. The answer to your question, Kathy, is pretty straightforward. We've seen this with childhood immunizations for years and years. There's a small percentage of people who won't immunize their kids. They will lie about it. They'll get somebody to forge a vaccine certificate or they live in a state where they can claim a religious exemption. And generally speaking, most diseases are not so highly contagious that you know having a few people not vaccinated is a problem. So for chickenpox, for mumps, it's not that big an exactly. issue. Measles, though, yes. is super, super contagious. Measles is more yes. contagious than COVID. And COVID, apparently, is more contagious than the flu. So for exactly. these highly contagious diseases, instead of hitting 70% of the population being vaccinated, we may have to hit 80% or 85%. I mean, we just don't know yet. It's a brand new virus. We just don't know. Exactly. But Kathy, I don't know what to do about these folks. I mean, you, you've got you know this conspiracy theory group that has been embraced by the Trump campaign and by a lot of Republicans. And one of their folks just got elected to the U.S. House of Representatives from, I believe, the state of Georgia. You know, these QAnon people, their latest theory is that the vaccine has these little nanotransmitters inside that are going to get, you know, read your brain and and transmit it all to Bill Gates and George Soros or something. I mean, they're hysterical. (laughs) But but it is funny and it's tragic. It It really and truly is. And it's spreading like wildfire. But, you know, I don't think that they're going to be such a large percentage of the population that it's going to create a public health crisis. I do think, though, that, uh, you know, I mean, you've got all these right wing publications and Trump and Pence and everybody else and Scott Atlas going on TV yesterday saying or the day before yesterday saying, yeah, go ahead, have your Thanksgiving dinner and invite grandpa. There's nothing wrong with that. And so what's going to happen? They're killing off Republicans. I mean, you know, (laughs) at the end of the day, they're killing off Republicans. I mean, what kind of insane strategy is that, Kathy? Exactly. And the medical community, hopefully after all this is all over with, um, this guy should be, um, you know, not be a doctor anymore. Yeah. Scott Atlas, America's Dr. Mengele. Uh, You know, 
doctors get their license taken away for less thing than than this. And this you guy bet, is you bet. Lie. And then, and then, uh, you know what he'll probably do? He'll probably do what Rand Paul did. Rand Paul is not board certified, so he created his own board that runs out of his house, and he certifies himself. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Julia in Auburn, Washington. Hey, Julia, what's up? So I've been thinking about the cost of COVID, and I read an article in the Washington Post about the $9.5 billion that we've given to corporations to fund the vaccine research, which we all need a vaccine, and we know that. But also, our personal mortgage debt is at an all-time high. And other countries, like you've been mentioning, don't have the cases of COVID that we have. They're not spending billions of dollars on a vaccine. And I think we're just mortgaging ourselves as a country. And nobody's talking about that. Not just was a lot of the research by the drug companies financed by the federal government, but a lot of it is standing on initial research into messenger RNA types of vaccines that was entirely done by the National Institutes of Health or entirely done by universities funded by the National Institutes of Health. So, you know, this entire vaccine technology, this is the first time we've ever seen an RNA vaccine ever. And this entire technology was developed with government money. So we really need to need to be moving forward on this. Julia, thank you for the call. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's on your mind today? Well, you got it, Professor. Let me go right down the list. I can understand why the Republicans are saying that the Democrats did steal this election. Let me qualify that. 58% of all white people, of white men, and 55% of white women, voted for the president. Other votes don't count. Only their votes count. They're not looking at nobody right. else's votes. They like in this bubble. So in that respect, they, they did win. Professor, so, how about this? Now, we know that the leading medical people in the world are the Cubans. Am I correct? Cuba has now three vaccines, two of which have been certified by the World Health Organization. They have fewer than 200 COVID deaths on the entire island during the entire nine months that we've been in this crisis. I guess it's now 10 or 11 months. Another amazing story that's not making it into the media. Anyway, Christine in Hollywood, Florida. Hey, Christine, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Thank you so much. Um, you went all up in my my spiel that I was going to go into. Why are we not focusing on the two crooked Georgia senators that are running there in Georgia? You sort of highlighted, but that was my point, that that is not being highlighted because those two Democrat senators will make a difference in the Senate race. We need to highlight that because if we don't get that, it's just going to be really bad for us. That's just one of my points. The second point is, why are we allowing this wannabe dictator domestic terrorist to be highlighted so much? Why are we highlighting the 77 million that voted for him? What about the ones that didn't vote for him? What about the people who want to keep our democracy? Why are we not highlighting what we can do to combat this idiot? Why are we not well, doing that? Well, because he's Why the president and like he has tremendous power. Else? Basically, the power that uh, Joe Biden and the rest of us have right now is the power of public opinion. And by the way, it was 71 million, not 77 million who voted for Trump. And, we're, and Biden now is pushing 80 million. He's a 79 point something. Um, but yeah, that's the problem. Is it, But I, I completely agree with you, Christine. We have to take the Senate. Leffler and Purdue are two of the most corrupt of the among the Republican politicians. And Ossoff is like Mr. Clean, and Reverend Warnock is a man of incredible integrity and absolute political brilliance. 
Warnock is a genuine progressive. Ossoff is okay. He's a damn good Democrat. You know, we need to get these people in. I'm totally with you. Uh, This is uh, Amy Gardner, who is the national political reporter at the Washington Post, tweets, more Michigan news. Lawmakers are flying into D.C. to meet with President Trump tomorrow at his request. He is fully moving into the 12th Amendment strategy. This is insane. Anyhow, Joe in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, what's on your mind? Tom, good afternoon. I had a thought about the um, holdup of the transition by Emily Murphy. My thought is that either it could be because it said that she's looking for a job right now. Well, my thought is that either it could be known that maybe the government or authorities would be looking to disbar her or talk to a possible employer and take government contracts away from that possible employer since she's failing. She's disobeying the law and failing to follow the Constitution. I'd like your well, thoughts. Well, she's not, she's not disobeying the law or failing to follow the Constitution. This is a convention. The normal behavior is when there's a consensus across the country, and that consensus is led by the big news organizations. When there's a consensus across the country that George Bush won and John Kerry lost, that, you know, fill in the blank, that's when the transition begins. And the problem is that Donald Trump doesn't care about the way that things are normally done. He only cares about what the law actually requires. And he doesn't even care much about that. Look at how he just thumbs his nose at the Hatch Act, for example. Even though it doesn't cover presidents, it does cover a lot of people around him, and he's, he's encouraging them to break the law. My take on Emily Murphy is that if she proves herself to be a loyal Republican soldier, there will be a job for her someplace. In normal Republican world, when Republican members of Congress get kicked out of Congress, serve their time in administrations, and then they leave, they get a job on the board of directors of Boeing, you know, and that pays them a million bucks a year. I don't, I don't know specifically about Boeing, but, you know, they get some lucrative job where, you know, four times a year they've got to sit in on a, on a meeting or a three-hour conference call and they get a big check. Or they get, you know, or if they're a lawyer, they get a job with a prestigious law firm. I don't know if Emily's an attorney or not. I don't know, you know, what, she, what kind of job she'd be looking for. But in a normal Republican administration, when you stand up, I mean, you know, look at the, the, the three lawyers who went down to Florida to help George W. Bush argue his case before the Supreme Court. Uh, John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy, Amy uh, Coney Bryant, Barrett. They got well rewarded, right? So that's that's the kind of thing that she could normally expect. The question is, has Trump so tarnished his own reputation that the people who are associated with him will be considered pariahs after January 20th? Or will the Republican Party invite them back into the fold? Nobody knows the answer to that question. We do know that some of the white shoe law firms and silk stocking law firms in Washington, D.C. are starting to back away from Trump. And, uh, you know, and thus he's left with Rudy Giuliani. And, and, you know, she's probably making a good living at, at her job. She may have civil service protection. Maybe she can keep it. I don't know. Well, actually, I, you know, I don't know her and we haven't we haven't heard a lot from her. So it's hard to judge her. But I think it's real unfortunate. <laughs> you know, beyond that, I, I can't say more. Ray in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Hey, Ray, what's on your mind? The damage that's being done here is it's more than just 
you know, who's going to be president or the Republicans saying we won or the Democrats saying we won. What's at stake here seems to be democracy itself. And it seems to me that we that what is happening right now is, is a systematic undermining of our democracy. This is birtherism, too. You know, Donald Trump never acknowledged that Barack Obama was a legitimate president. He never, ever did. And he repeatedly said that Obama was an illegitimate president because in Donald Trump's mind, no black man who, who you know, got all the way up to the level of president. It wasn't possible without the help of some foreign government, um, which probably informs us as to why Trump was encouraging the help of foreign governments. You know, Russia in 2016, China and, uh, and Ukraine in 2020. I completely agree with you, Ray, and I think what we're looking at is birtherism 2.0, and we need to call it out as, as what it is. Thank you for the call. John in Eugene, Oregon. Hey, John, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, just uh, just a thought on the, uh, you know, the big picture, what's going on. A lot of people are wondering where, you know, where's the GOP, where, where's the senators and the, and the, and the cooler heads, and my uh, the way it looks to me is that there were two really two two defeats in this election. Of course, uh, Trump, you know, Biden clearly is the winner. But the other big defeat was to their voter suppression uh, tactics in that that we, you know, mail in voting obviously makes uh, the long lines, the suppression at the poll place, you know, which one big leg of their suppression is uh, is eliminated if people can simply mail in their ballots. I heard some, I forget which state where, or some locality had a 90% participation rate. But the other thing, the other suppression tactic that it really harms, that this uh, mail-in voting really harms, is the, is the data, is, the, is the, uh, the vote manipulation, the actual manipulation of the numbers. You know, as we had in, uh, in Ohio in 2004, that was purely a, a, a numbers uh, manipulation, what, what they did there. So Many I think these, uh, yeah, I, I think the GOP is um, is generally terrified of the idea of people voting and voting easily. Yeah. You know, well, the third part, only- John, and 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 it's worth mentioning, and and you're a fellow Oregonian, so you know this is you know the the state announces when they mail out the ballots right and i think it's like six weeks before the election and they it's publicly announced it's in the media it's in the news your neighbors and friends hey i got my ballot and if you don't get your ballot within a day or two or three of the time that the state says that they've dropped the ballots then you know something's wrong and you can go google yourself on the or you know check yourself on the secretary of state's website and, and make sure that your voter registration is still intact and people do that and, uh, you know, and, and say, hey, my ballot got lost in the mail or, hey, you know, uh, somehow I got removed from the voter rolls. Please put me back on. So, you know, the, the number one form of voter suppression that they use, particularly in black communities, is forcing long lines by having very few polling places and very few machines and using the old crappy machines, the broken down machines, wherever they can. The number two strategy that they use is simply throwing people off the voting rolls in largely Democratic voting areas. And vote by mail blows that up, too. And that's why, you know, we really need to be pushing for a national vote by mail strategy. And and it probably needs to be a state by state push. But, um, you know, people have gotten a taste of it. It works. 
Yeah, I think that I think the horse is out of the barn. You know, people have uh, voted this year without going through the you know the the, the major hassle of uh, taking a day off of work, et cetera, et cetera. In in, in a lot of places, I'm, I'm not saying that's absolute across the board. You know. Excellent points, John. You still have, you know, like in Louisiana, to mail in a ballot, you've got to have it notarized. I mean, you know, in other states, you have to have witnesses. In other states, in Texas, you can't even get a mail-in ballot unless you can prove that you have some sort of disability. It's crazy. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ted in Black Diamond, Washington. Hey, Ted, what's up? Good morning, Tom. I have a modest proposal on how to deal with Mitch McConnell in case the Democrats cannot take back the Senate. Mitch is kept okay. in power by money, and money from Elaine Chow and her shipping family, a billion-dollar business that depends on the United States to allow access. They could, if Biden wants to, through executive order, he could limit, he could tax, he could tariff, he could ban them all together. This would be a lever to move Mitch Ford to get off of all this legislation that he's sitting on. Second of all, Mitch... Well, hang on just a second. Before, uh, before you get to your second of all, Ted, okay, okay. Um, he would have a hard time doing that. I mean, that shipping company, I forget the name of it, that, that uh, Elaine Chow's family owns, um, transports an awful lot of stuff into the United States, both from Taiwan and from China. To disrupt that company would be to disrupt American commerce. I don't think Biden is going to be willing to take that kind of a political chance. Well, I get you, what you're you saying. can make it more expensive for them. There's a lot of things that can be done. That I think the thing to look into is the way that Elaine Chow was steering government contracts and government regulations to her family shipping company or to the benefit of her family shipping company. That's specifically what the Office of Inspector General in the, in the Department of Transportation was looking into when he got fired. Now, I always found it interesting as far as how hands-off Trump has been with Elaine Chow in the cabinet. Every other cabinet member is either uh, retired resigned or have been savaged by Trump, but she's always been untouchable because she's... Well, and Betsy DeVos, who's yeah, also well, a billionaire. I mean, Trump is actually afraid of real billionaires. And Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of Commerce, who's 
not a billionaire, but worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And Forbes magazine called him one of the biggest grifters in America. Trump cuts them all the slack he can because they're richer than he is. But I, don't, I, I think that's his only criteria. Spot on, Ted. Thanks a lot for the call. Richard in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Hey, Richard, what's up? Who is footing the bill for all of these endless election lawsuits that Trump is filing? Not on the taxpayer's dole, is it? The expense of the courtrooms is on the taxpayer dole, the, the salaries for the judges, the facilities, all that kind of stuff. Although, you know, generally they have to be there anyway, so I don't think we should freak out too much about that. The Trump campaign has put up a couple million bucks to recount um, the two blackest parts of Wisconsin. Uh, yeah. They're apparently going to try and do the same thing in uh, Detroit, in Michigan, and in Georgia. They're trying to, I think that now their strategy has become... Uh, let's drag this out into December, and if we can drag it out to December 20th, when the uh, I think maybe, or maybe it's the 18th, but mid-December, when the Electoral College is supposed to report the vote to Congress, uh, yeah. if we can drag it out to that point, and there's still questions in enough states uh, to take Biden over 270, then they they can try to throw it to the House. I don't think it's going to work, but yeah. it's increasingly looking like that's their strategy, and yeah. uh, you know. And, and, and from their point of view, if it costs them a few million bucks, no big deal. Uh, holding on the White House is worth trillions. I mean, the, the ultimate grift is being president of the United States. The secondary grift is being the ex-president. And that's, that's what Trump is you know, setting yeah. himself up for right now. So it's, it's getting pretty bad. Uh, thanks a lot for the call, Richard. Great to hear from you. Richard in Los Angeles. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? Uh, I was just wondering what you thought about uh, term limits for these senators so we can get guys like the Crypt Keeper uh, McConnell out. I mean, you would have a more infusion of progressive ideas a lot sooner. What do you think about that? We have tried this experiment, Richard, in a number of states where they have term limited their members of the state senate or the state house of representatives. And we now know the result of the experiment. It's been going on for the better part of 25 or 30 years. And that is that one of the main things that the old timers do, one of the main functions that they offer when new people come into, into Congress, let's just use the word Congress kind of generically, when new people come in, the old timers will take them under their wing and say, here's how we do things. Here's where the, you know, here's the, he's the parliamentarian or she's the parliamentarian and here's, here's where you get the information and here's how you get information out of the Congressional Research Service and here's how you deal with uh, these particular weird, uh, you know, lobbyists and, and here's the idiosyncrasies of how, how things work. And basically they provide them with you know, whenever you're, you come into a new job, but particularly when you come into a new job, that's literally something you've never, ever done before in your life, which is the case with every single member of Congress. When you have term limits and those old guys are gone, the, what replaces them are the lobbyists. The lobbyists are always there. And in many cases, those lobbyists have been around for 30, 40 years. So they become the permanent infrastructure. So what we know is that term limits actually strengthen the power of lobbyists. That's the bottom line. What if we don't allow lobbyists to become senators? 
Well, it's not whether they become senators. It's that it's that the senators would come into office and say, gee, I don't know how things work around here. Neither does anybody else. We all got term limited. Uh, so they turn to the lobbyists who've been there 30 years and say, how do I get things done? And the lobbyists will teach them how to get things done, you know, for the best benefit of the lobbyists. The best term limits are elections. And that's what we need to be focusing on, Richard. Uh, term limits are what seem to be an easy fix, but in fact actually produce more problems than they do benefits. Freda in uh, Bella Vista, Arkansas. Hey, Freda, what's on your mind today? Tom, you are, I think, the only person that maybe can answer this question. I'm terrified of a lot of things. But I just tuned in when I got up and heard Giuliani saying that they had lined up a whole lot of people who were there to see the fraud that was done and all of the bad stuff that was going on by people that voted for Biden. It occurred to me (laughs) that the 1% can send money. They have very private ways of doing this to the people in charge of the GOP who can distribute that money among a poor GOP people, voters, to lie, to stand up and lie and say that they saw fraud. What do you think? So far, Freda, they keep coming up with new allegations every day, but so far, every single one that they've been put forward. I mean, just yesterday, there was another woman who came forward and said she was on the list of so-called dead voters in Georgia, and she's still alive. Um, she had registered as, um, I don't recall her name, but let's say it was, uh, you know, her name was Freda Johnson and her husband was George Johnson. Uh, she had registered as Mrs. George Johnson, which people of a certain age often do. And that's how she's registered to vote. And that's how she voted. And George had died a couple of years ago. And so they said, oh, George Johnson, he's dead. Well, Mrs. George Johnson is still very much alive. Thank you very much. And and so, uh, you know, every single attempt that they have made to show the, the one thing that they found was that there were five counties in Georgia where, because uh, on the voting machines in Georgia, you got to pull the memory cards out of the machines and stick them in a computer to count them. And apparently that didn't get done entirely. And so they picked up some four or 5,000 votes. But it looks like those votes are going to be fairly uh, split between Trump and, and Biden, and they're not really going to affect, affect the outcome. And that wasn't the result of uh, voter fraud. That was, if, if it was done maliciously, that was election fraud, which is a whole different thing fraud being done by the election officials, number one. But it appears that there was no fraud or intent at all. It was just a screw up. He's going to come forward and he's going to say, oh, here's 56 examples. Here's 300 examples. I, I, you know, I'm getting these emails from Trump every day and he's listing these things. You know, I'm waiting for any of them to actually be real. And none of them will. You know, Joe Biden won this race. He won it fair and square. He won nearly nine million votes. He may well end up winning it by over 9 million votes. It's time to put a sock in it to say enough. This is it. Paula in Schaumburg, Illinois, you're an election uh, election judge? Yeah, I am. I have been for 26 years, and I just worked the last election. When I was just taking something back to the Macy's, I heard what you said about Detroit and him, Trump, trying to do what he's doing. I know about Georgia and everything. You know, I've been on top of that, and I've been... But I'm really scared. I'm scared. I mean... 
my feeling when I heard that, what she said, I felt sick to my stomach, kind of like I did the 9-11. I'm, I'm seriously that upset. And usually, yeah. you know, I've taken an interest in elections, and I've never, and I've been a registered Democrat all my life, but I've never voted necessarily a straight ticket. Of course, in Illinois, we have to be primaries always on our registered. But anyways, I just can't believe that he might get away with this. That he might. The be odds able are very slim, enough. Paula. Don't are don't they? freak out yet. Yeah, the odds are very, very, very slim. My concern, and this was the Washington yeah. Post, the entire editorial board of the Washington Post, or a, a large chunk of it, said, this is a problem, what's going on right now, and it's hurting democracy. But the bigger problem is right. that Donald Trump is laying out a strategy for the next guy in four years. And I think that next right. guy is probably going to be Tom Cotton or Josh Hawley or some other, you know, uh, Ted Cruz yeah. is going to take a run at it, obviously. You know, some yeah. other, and Mike Lee probably will, some other really genuinely efficient fascist Republican who doesn't have yeah. 26 women suing him for rape, who isn't a right. billion dollars in debt to foreign governments, doesn't yeah. tell 50 lies a day. And it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to beat. And if the race is at all tight, this is how they're going to win it. So we need to clean up our act. We need to clean up our election systems and we need well, to do it fast. When I worked the election when Kerry, the second election with Kerry and Bush, I felt like, mm. long story short, I worked that election, and you know how long ago that was, what, 15 years? It was when the Hanging Chads was the first, you know, 2000, and then this came up. Right. And we had ballots that were like what I called prominent queen ballots that came in from Iraq and the war. And I had people working with me that didn't even seem to know what an absentee ballot meant and how important it was for them to, to put those ballots through and had to really be on their behinds about it but to say the point being was um i felt like everything was going along fine and it was almost like they flipped the switch at 11 o'clock at night in ohio you know and it was it was when some of our new voting machines were changing and and you know like i said i've been doing this for 26 years i figured out my son was four he's 31 so well 11 o'clock on election night uh, in 2004 was Four. when the uh, was when the entire voting system in the state of Ohio crashed, and yeah. they backed it up from a server in Tennessee or Kentucky that was controlled by Karl Rove. I mean, you know that yeah. that sounds like a conspiracy theory, and I'll just put it right out front. Um, yeah, I have I have read this and seen this in multiple places, and I've seen what looks like credible evidence of it, but it's never been accepted by the mainstream Democratic no, Party. And so it may well be a conspiracy theory, and I don't want to be spreading conspiracy theories. No, but, um, I don't want the to bottom line is either, we, but it just... We, we yeah. need to clean this up. We need, a, we need, we need national well, voting we standards. Get our we voting need a right. right to vote. We need a national holiday for voting. I mean, right here, I work... Well, not even a holiday. If everybody vote. can vote by mail, we could do it over a period of three or four weeks, like we do here in Oregon, like Washington State does, like Utah does, like Hawaii does, like Colorado does. And, and you know, I no know. fraud, no difficulty. It's very, and, very easy. Paul, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. I, I, you know, don't freak out yet. Tyrone in Harlem, New York. Hey, Tyrone. I think the main focus of what and what King said also is that the system want to operate under the premise of having socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor. And then right. maintaining that system, um, I don't know how much the Democratic Party have in maintaining that, you know, the, that financial divide, economic divide between the rich and the poor. 
and whatever it takes to maintain it. But we cannot, the Democratic Party cannot be so blind as not to see that when Clinton got out, Bush came in, jacked up the economy, Bush leave out, Obama come in, clean up, Trump comes in and does the same thing, decimate our economy. Is this a joint effort? That's what I'm afraid of. Every Republican since Reagan, Tyrone. I mean, Reagan had the biggest stock market crash in the, his, in the history of the United States, with the exception of 1929. And, you know, and then went, you know, presided over an economy that, that saw wages going down, radically down, for working class people and wiping out union membership. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And it's been all downhill since then. And now we've got millions, tens of millions of Americans who are unemployed who are looking at a giant cliff. Kirk in uh, Lakeland, Florida. Hey, Kirk, what's on your mind? There's a Fox News exit poll that came out. I was looking at it yesterday. And and the interesting thing about this is, and and, and I'm a college-educated guy, I can read, is that there was a lot of things that were interesting to me. Like a lot of the people who voted for Trump were not attending church, were not described themselves as not affiliated with a religion. There was a couple other things that stood out. You know, a lot of them were for progressive policies. It's interesting because we're a divided household with our grandparents and and us. And so uh, they're up at the villages in Florida. And so this is one of these things where, we, you know, we sent this to them because we haven't been talking much lately. And it's just Florida voted for a $15 minimum wage, didn't they? Yes, absolutely. I'm pretty sure I mean, the state that did it. Yeah. So what's your question or your point, Kirk? I, I guess is, my question is, have you had a chance to dig into that Fox News exit poll? Because I do think that there's some interesting points. And I, and I think that when people talk about unity, uh, it, it really makes uh an avenue for another party, uh, again, a progressive party that, uh, or at least maybe some adoption of progressive uh, uh, policy. So there's not. Well, I'm hopeful that the Democratic Party will move in that direction. But um, I I have not had an opportunity to dig into that. But my sense of it is that the most of your Trump voters are grievance voters. And the principal grievance is probably either economic or racial. But there's a huge intermingling of the two, you know, which goes back to the the sales pitch that, that conservatives used to use back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, which is those black people are coming for your jobs. And then in the 70s, they added those women are coming for your jobs because this was back when you know basically white men had the lock on the job market and then trump came along and said no that's those brown people from mexico who are coming for your jobs and so these are basically grievance voters men who feel that they've lost power to women white people who feel that they have lost power to people of color or are having to share power with people of color um and 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 pretty much everybody who was uh, solidly a member of the middle class back when we had unions who's looking at the destruction of unions and, and, and Trump saying, I'm the champion for the little guy, thinking, well, I'm the little guy. He must be my guy. It's uh, unfortunate, but that's what it is. We'll be back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. David in Denver. Hey, David, what's on your mind today? Hey, I just want to, earlier you said something about a moratorium, I believe, on eviction. I got Mm -hmm. an eviction notice five days into November because I didn't pay my rent. Um, I don't know. I was looking for it. I was hoping I could be able to read from it to show you, but I can't find it at the moment. But in Colorado, we are evicting people. For me, it was a mistake in whatever has been paid, and I'm not being evicted. But I was, I had 30, I was given 30 days to pay or be removed from right. my apartment. Wow. Um, and then, um, real quick, as you the eviction so moratorium, much- David, does not cover everybody. It, okay. I, I believe. You know, my recollection is it has something to do with uh, landlords who are, you know, have federal mortgages or taking federal money or whatever. It doesn't cover everybody. But but anyhow, you were you were going to say something else. Yeah. So uh, the other day, John Fuglesain said if he was elected, he would take you with him either on the cabinet or the transition team. I believe you're really good with the Constitution. Is it possible to for the for us as citizens to take Mitch McConnell to court for having, what, 400 something bills? that he hasn't brought to the floor? I mean, I know, uh, no. what is it? Uh, That's a political act, and the only response to it can be political, which is to vote him out of office, and, and we didn't succeed in doing that. Yeah, that was not smart of us. Yeah. All right, well, thank you well, so much, you know, Have a good day. Yeah, thank you, David. Yeah, good to hear from you. I mean, you know, I think somebody needs to have a conversation with Chuck Schumer about the candidates he's lining up, although I thought Amy McGrath was a pretty good candidate, particularly for Kentucky, you know, fighter pilot and and all that kind of stuff. But she had, you know, come out and said that she looks forward to working with Republicans when she gets in, which I guess you got to say when you're running in Kentucky. Um, I do think that genuinely progressive candidates, particularly in red states, when they run things, run on things like expanding Medicaid, expanding Medicare, expanding Social Security, raising the minimum wage, and bringing manufacturing jobs back, which are all progressive positions, uh, win far more easily than when when you get kind of status quo politicians who are like, well, you know, I'll just be a good guy. Uh, that's not quite going to energize anybody. But I mean, who knows? Dave in Galveston, Texas. Hey, Dave, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? You're talking about putting the election into the House of Representatives. Andrew Jackson, I think, when he ran against uh, John Quincy Adams in the 1820s and 1830s, uh, didn't uh, his election go to the House, and it was uh, brokered by the most disgusting speaker of the House, even past uh, Newt Gingrich, wasn't even that bad. A man named Henry Clay yeah. put put Andrew Jackson in power so he could remove all the natives and. He was a slaver. He hated Indians. You know, he hated everybody and paved the way for the Confederacy and what we had then. Could you check on that? Because I remember reading about that in history and uh, I don't remember what else. I will. I confess. Yeah, I I know that that that, uh, election went to the House, but I don't know that the results basically overturned the popular vote or the electoral vote like the election of 1876. I don't believe it. But I'll check it out. Beg your pardon? 
I said, I'll check it out and report back to y'all. Well, that'd be wonderful. And thank you. And I love your program. And you just keep going and going and going. We love you and God bless you. Thank you, Dave. And, and, and God bless you, too. Thank you for the blessings. I'll take all I can get and I'll toss them right back at you. Chris in Santa Cruz, California. Hey, Chris, what's on your mind? Um, I'm just thinking this is uh, what's constitutional is really up for grabs now. And the, the blue states are being strong armed and they're totally misrepresented. A huge population and industry and assets in the blue states are just not represented in this scenario of not certifying votes. So I'm just wondering if the blue states could get together and form a lawsuit, an administrative coup in the sense that they would just stop paying income into the federal government, tax, payments, and whatever the federal government does with it, like payments to schools or Medi-Cal or so on, just redirect the money and go to court and say, we're not represented. We're just not doing it. Yeah. Not getting what you want is not justification for not paying your bills, uh, you know, in personal life or in government. That wouldn't work. But what the blue states can do is they can get together and say, if uh, if uh, if enough of us who represent 270 electoral votes get together and all commit uh, that whoever wins the national popular vote will get our electoral votes, then you've ended the electoral college. And that that would be a good thing. Um, number one. Number two, somebody a couple of days ago called in and, and suggested that um, if uh, we get control of the House and the Senate, that we should seriously consider passing legislation that says the states cannot receive federal funds that exceed 1.5 times what they are sending the federal government in tax revenue. Uh, Because Kentucky right now, for every dollar that they send to Washington, D.C., they get back $2.41. Kentucky is probably one of the top. Kentucky and Mississippi are the top welfare states in the United States. And, you know, with massive subsidies, which are coming right straight out of the taxpayers of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, California, Oregon, etc. So, you know, the blue states are supporting the red states. And frankly, I think that Congress could do something about that. I suspect it would be a real battle because there are some some of those taker states that are represented by Democrats, or at least were. And Doug Jones lost his case in Alabama. But we'll see. We'll see. A lot of opportun- a lot of ideas out there. So would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program, all three hours of our program, anytime you'd like? Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. When you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show, anytime you want, and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out. Patreon.com slash Tom Harp. Thank you. Wow, new details coming out. The FBI charged another person. This guy, Brian Higgins, a Wisconsin man, 
the 14th man in the plot to kidnap and perhaps murder Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan. From uh, Chuck Gowdy on uh, ABC7Chicago.com, the, uh, the television station there in Chicago. Chuck Gowdy writes, uh, new filings claim that there was a plan B the militiamen had drawn up. Keep in mind their plan A was to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and then take her across the river or across the lake to uh, Wisconsin and hold a show trial there for her uh, and presumably convict her of crimes and then execute her. Uh, this is plan B. New filings claim that there was a plan B the militiamen had drawn up that involved a takeover of the Michigan Capitol building by 200 combatants who would stage a week-long series of televised executions of public officials. These guys are ISIS. They are Al-Qaeda. And according to the government documents now on file in Lower Michigan Court, there was also a plan C. Burn down the state house, leaving no survivors. This, uh, this Higgins guy in, in uh, Wisconsin is closer to extradition now as a result of this action. Uh, meanwhile, today, or excuse me, I, I guess it was day before yesterday, J.B. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, when he was doing his daily update to the state on the COVID situation, he, uh, he referenced this. He said, we have threats that stream into my office daily. While we have watched the kidnapping plot against the Michigan governor unfold just a state away. What a time, right? What a time. This is, uh, this is nuts. Jeff in Portland. Hey, Jeff, what's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Good morning, Tom. Sorry for that snafu. Um, I, I just want to say um, really quickly, um, before I get to the point, um, that Stacey Abrams is urging people to go to gasenate.com. I did, and I, I donated it, and it split three ways between the two candidates and her group, Fair Fight Action. So that's gasenate.com. People can look into it. It's a good, uh, you know. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, I'm calling to say, Tom. Oh, I just checked it out. Up. Yeah, this is this is Fair Fight. This is her website. Yeah, and it, and it splits keep, it between the two candidates. Any donation, uh, it goes three ways between the two candidates and her group. So I think that's a really good thing. Um, but um, I'm calling because, Tom, I think we need to stay 100% vigilant about protecting the election results and making sure uh, that January 20th is eviction day for, for our wannabe dictator. You know, he's only gotten as far as he has, not only by us continuing to underestimate how low he'll go, but also overestimating the Republican party's complicity with him. So, Tom, two things. Number one, we need Biden to forget about being civil Joe and start being scrappy Joe. And he can mm-hmm. take his cues from FDR on that. You know, it's not just about the policies. It's about the, the delivery. And FDR imbued all his speeches with a fighting spirit. And we need Biden to start channeling that pronto, in my opinion. And then, Tom, mm-hmm. number two, finally, finally, number two, Tom, uh, Rashida Tlaib, uh, the congresswoman from Detroit, she tweeted out yesterday that it was the hundreds of people who stood in line to give public testimony at that hearing on Tuesday. Those are the people that their activism saved and protected those election results in Michigan. And and we're going to need that kind of activism in any and every state that Trump tries to pull this stuff, which rest assured he will. Um, we can't underestimate how low this guy will go. And, you know, we need to organize and, and activate and, and protect this election. I can guarantee you the, the Democratic Party is on this. They're all over this. 
but uh, we need to be too. This this needs to be a full court press. And you know, one of the things that we can all do is if you have a social media account of any kind, start raising hell there. Cindy in Boynton Beach, Florida. Hey, Cindy, what's on your mind today? Hi, I was just calling because uh, I just got done crying because I uh, am really scared. Does he have a legal leg to stand on? It depends. Probably not. Almost certainly not. And and okay. the, the but but the Constitution does say that state legislatures can decide who their electoral votes go for, and they don't. There's no criteria defined. A uh, state legislature could decide that they're going to give Mickey Mouse their vote, and that would be the law. That's Trump's plan C or D or E, and I think that's why he's flying a bunch of Michigan legislators. Yeah. Excuse me, into Washington, D.C. right now to have a conversation with them tomorrow. We keep hitting these points where the question in my mind becomes, is this the point at which Republicans stand up and say, no, this is crazy? And, and, and we keep, you know, children in cages. Is that the point? No, apparently not. Um, refusing to provide those children with psychological services because they're in distress. Is that the point? No. Lying through your teeth about COVID and saying it's a hoax and, and encouraging people to, to have Thanksgiving dinner with grandpa. No. I keep thinking, oh my God, this has got to be the point at which Republicans stand up and say, no, this is stupid. This is crazy. This is d- destructive. This is killing people. And we simply never hit that point. And so if we end up with the state legislatures of Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and uh, and Georgia all declaring that they're going to give their their electoral votes to Donald Trump, which would put Trump in the White House for another four years. If we reach that point, the question is, will Republicans stand up and do anything about it? And increasingly, I think I'm thinking they won't. So then the question is, can Trump bring enough pressure to bear on those state legislators? I just don't know the answer to that. I really don't. Cindy, I got to run, but uh, don't cry. Don't freak out. The odds of his pulling this off are really, really, really small. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 